You do a lot of talking, bro. You do a lot of talking. All that screaming. Well, you better hope you can play as long as me. Hey, when you get on your knees and say your prayers tonight, pray. What happened between you and Tlaib on the field early in the game? I don't know. You're going to ask him because he didn't finish the game. Ice up, son. Ice up. Live. In the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. I know you're going to dig this. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. C. Martin. I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. The doctor is now in. Yeah, and a happy Wednesday to you, T.C. Martin Show. Glad to have you here on this wild, woolly Wednesday. Plenty of uh, NFL football to talk about uh, today. And uh, we've also got college bowl games to talk about. Will we have a full slate of college bowl games today? Well... Uh, we will see. On the guest line today, the big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, will be joining us. He'll uh, be touching base with us uh, next hour, and we will talk a little NBA uh, with him. Also, uh, B-Sal, Brian Salmon, over at News 3, the sports director over there. We will uh, talk to B-Sal about the Las Vegas Bowl coming up tomorrow. Can hardly wait for that. Plus, uh, Raider news uh, galore and uh, much more. He will join us. T.J. Reeves will join us this hour from Tampa Bay, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, broadcaster. We will get uh, thoughts from him on the latest with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So a lot to do, a lot to cover here on the show as well, too. Plus, your phone calls as we'll open up some phone lines here in the first segment as well, too, at 702-221-7283. And we start today's show talking about the passing of one of the the greatest sports legends out there, uh, one of the most versatile sports legends, and of course we're talking about John Madden. Now, this story broke as we left the air yesterday. I mean, right after we were on the air, so obviously we didn't talk about it yesterday because when we went off at 4 o'clock Pacific time, uh, we got word uh, about an hour or so afterwards that John Madden passed away at the age of 85. So I wanted to take some time today and start the show off and, and talking about John Madden. And like I said, if listeners have thoughts, I uh, would love to hear uh, from you as well, too, You know, during uh, this segment. But uh, very sad news. The sporting world hit when we uh, found out that John Madden passed away at the age of 85. Legendary coach, broadcaster, 16-time Emmy Award winner for Outstanding Sports Analyst and Personality. He broadcast 11 Super Bowls from 1979 to 2009. And really, when you think of John Madden, or when I think of John Madden, just the consummate pro. Uh, And again, the only broadcaster that worked for all four major networks. I've got some John Madden memories that... I will share here as well, too. I got a chance uh, to meet John Madden and spend a little bit of time with him over the years. Uh, just a a very larger-than-life human being, uh, very gracious, you know, with his time, and again, really, you know, one of the best. And I don't know how many people saw the Fox special that aired on Christmas Day. Now, Fox had been promoting this for the better part of the last month 
that uh, it was going to air on Christmas Day. And, real, and what it was, it was the John Madden documentary. Uh, basically, his bio and a long list of fellow colleagues of his, players, uh, that that spoke very highly of him. So this aired on Christmas Day. And if you happen to see it, I'm, gonna cu- I'm curious about your thoughts on that. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, when I heard that this was going to be coming on and airing on Christmas Day, I was really looking forward to this. And uh, I enjoyed it thoroughly because it, it spanned his entire career. And you got to remember, for the most part, with a lot of of sports fans, especially the younger generation, especially if you're, say, under the age of 35 or 30 years old, you do not remember John Madden as the head coach of the Oakland Raiders. And for me, that's where it all started. I was a Northern California guy, grew up, as you know, in Sacramento, but making those trips to the Bay Area, whether it was San Francisco, whether it was Oakland, to see the 49ers or or see the Raiders play. And going to the Oakland Alameda County Coliseum during those times in the 70s when Raider Nation was alive and well and really at its peak. And let's be honest, I mean, Raider football has never reached that peak. Even though they won the one Super Bowl, you know, uh, you know, um, or you know, appeared in the Super Bowl, you know, in in two thousand. I mean, when you go back to those playoff runs and those teams with Kenny the Snake Stabler and Fred Belitnikoff and Cliff Branch and Marv Hubbard, uh, Lester Hayes. I mean, the the list just goes on and on and on. I mean, you had so many Raiders, especially there in Northern California, where those fans just really clung on to this team. Even the center, Jim Otto, who had businesses in Northern California, had Burger Kings there. Uh, John Madden grew up in Daly City, which is a suburb of the Bay Area. And so when John Madden got the job from Al Davis to be the head coach of the Oakland Raiders, it was a natural because John Madden was a Northern California guy. I mean, he was born and raised in Daly City. Um, John Robinson, former head coach at USC and, of course, the L.A. Rams and and people here in Las Vegas remember John Robinson towards the end of his college coaching career was a head coach at UNLV. They were best friends, and, and we knew that a long, long time ago. So going back to the documentary that aired on Fox on Christmas Day, it touched on those relationships. It touched on the relationships that Madden had not only with Al Davis, Mark Davis, all the Raider players, John Robinson, but the relationship that he built after retiring from coaching with Pat Summerall and Al Michaels and so many other, you know, great broadcasters, you know, in in our era. And for me, it was it was great the way this documentary was put together because it encompassed John Mann's entire career. And you even had some people that weren't even really familiar with his coaching or even you know the broadcasting because they're familiar with Madden the video game. 
And a lot of people don't. You, I mean, you hear story after story about, well, I didn't know he, he was a coach. I thought, you know, hey, this, this guy that, you know, just created this game or whatever. No. John Mann was the hottest thing when it came to the NFL and when it came to broadcasting. And when we got into the digital age and we got into the computer and the video games and all that sort of thing, NFL wanted to, you know, come out, you know, with something to capitalize on on this craze. So who was the face of that? And this was timing. If this would have happened, say, in 2015 or 2010, probably wouldn't be, it wouldn't be John Madden because John Madden was done broadcasting in 2009. Got to remember that. So it was John Madden because he was the guy at this point in time. He was the face of the NFL. Being an analyst that's why EA Sports said, hey, we want to put your name on this thing. We want to put your face on this thing. And just like everything else, just like when CBS Sports came calling to John Madden a couple years after he retired from coaching, John Madden didn't really want anything to do with it. He didn't want to go into broadcasting. And when it came to the video games, he goes, I don't know anything about this. You know, I don't know about this. And they talked him into it. And of course, there was a large check that was attached there as well, too. And then... I remember that you know the first hearing about the first meeting that EA Sports had with John Madden, and they said, "Okay, we want to do this." Then he goes, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" He goes, "No." He goes, "If you're going to do this, he goes, you're going to have to do it the right way, especially if you want me to put my name on it." And I remember when EA Sports came in and they basically wanted to do like a seven on seven. You know, those are passing drills if you're a football player. And Madden says, "No." He goes. It has to be real football. He goes, you need linemen. You need centers. You know, he goes, it has to be 11 on 11. He goes, so if I'm going to be involved, it needs to be real football. And EA Sports said, okay, we're going to listen to you. And look where EA Sports is. Look where the Madden video uh, game enterprise is right now. I mean, what are the numbers? Over 100 billion? I mean, it's ridiculous at the... It, the uh, the the amount of, of of video games that have been sold with you know the mad name on it it's craziness but again this all started for a guy who was a passionate football player growing up in Daly City that got a knee knee injury could not play in the NFL even though he wanted to so he immediately got into coaching. In his late 20s. And he went to Al Davis. And Al Davis saw something in him. And said okay we'll bring you on as a linebackers coach. For the Oakland Raiders. And you know the Raiders weren't having a whole bunch of success at that time. Gone through a couple different coaches. And then at the age of 32. Al Davis had the foresight. And at that point in time a lot of people said. Al what are you doing? Hiring this guy that no one's heard of before. Some linebacker coach. You're going to give him the keys to the car of the silver and black. And that's when the Raider franchise really started to blossom, when it started to grow. At the age of 32, John Madden became the coach of the Oakland Raiders. And what did John Madden do during his tenure with the Raiders, a 10-year coaching career? Went to seven AFC title games. He won the Super Bowl over the Minnesota Vikings. He had a career record of 103, 32, and 7. 
seems a little bit strange to hear that record, right? Hundred, you know, a lot of people thought, well, hey, maybe you know, he he coached a lot longer than that, 103 victories. Well, God, remember these were 14 game seasons back then, and of course you hear seven ties, ties. What's a tie? We don't know what ties are anymore, right? <laughs> well, if you ask the Detroit Lions and the Pittsburgh Steelers this year, I mean, they know what a tie is, but yeah, there, there were ties, you know, back in those days. But we're in overtime during reg- regular season games. Only had sudden death overtime when you went to playoff games, and those were very, very rare. But John Madden, with that record of 103, 32, and 7, 103 coaching victories, that win percentage is 759. And that still, as of today, is the best of any coach in the history of the NFL that has at least 100 victories. The highest? John Madden. John Madden died at the age of 85 yesterday. And again, he sat there and he he screened the documentary just a couple weeks ago. And if you watch the documentary, you saw John Madden, John Madden sitting in his chair. And you see at the end of it how emotional he got. This was real for him. And you looked at him and he got dressed up and everything, which he didn't do too much of. He's been pretty reclusive over the last few years. His health has, has been failing a little bit, but he was still well enough to talk, give a great account of himself. And I know a lot of people like myself, when you were watching this on Sunday afternoon, you're thinking, wow, how old is John Madden? Oh, he's 85? Wow, you know, how much longer is he going to be with us? And he, he didn't look that frail, but again, it, it took him time to put sentences uh, together and everything. But I don't think anyone expected it this quickly. He died three days after this aired, on the 28th of December, after this aired on Christmas Day. So shocking, sad, but I'm glad that he was still alive when this documentary came out and he actually could be a part of it. You saw vintage old Madden clips. You heard him speak and some interviews, and then you got a chance to see him now in modern day during this documentary while they were putting it together and again seeing him just on screen knowing that this was just filmed and recorded just weeks ago so yeah very very emotional and especially for raider fans now you can say what you want about the raiders but the bottom line is, even if you were an anti-Raider fan, you didn't like the Raiders, you didn't care for Al Davis, you cared for John Madden. And John Madden quit coaching in 10 years at his peak. And there were rumors that, hey, well, you know, maybe it was just time for him to, to get out of coaching because of his relationship with Al Davis. In later years, we found out that probably wasn't the case. It was just that John Madden was was burned out because he gave everything he had to coaching and he didn't like to lose. There's even the 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 part in there with his wife Virginia. She was saying, you know, people would always you know say to us, well, hey, you can't win them all. And Virginia said, why not? Sure you can. <laughs> and that's what John Madden thought. And the losing really aided him, especially you know losing those you know, a lot of those AFC championship games. And, of course, we remember, you know, what happened in the Immaculate Reception game. You know, Frank Harris scooping that thing off the ground. John Madden was so distraught after that. But he had some highs. He had some lows. But still, a remarkable coaching career 
that spanned 10 years, 103 coaching victories, and yes, he won that Super Bowl. And I just, I loved the the calls with Bill King, who was the the Raiders play-by-play announcer at that point in time. And if you're from Northern California, you know Bill King, because not only did he do the Raiders, he did the A's, he did the Golden State Warriors, and in you know their 75 championship, and you know he had some vintage calls, uh, having fun with Madden, uh, just fantastic stuff here. But uh, John Madden will be remembered for me as the head coach of the Oakland Raiders, um, going to those Raider games, and then you know seeing John Madden as a broadcaster. I got a chance to meet John Madden. It was in Green Bay. And I hosted uh, a Lombardi Legends event. They would have an annual event in Green Bay. And John Madden was a keynote speaker one year that we had there. And you had Jerry Kramer and you had Bart Starr and a lot of the Packer legends that would come back you know, every year. And John Madden said, hey, I want to be part of this. So I had the honor of, of introducing John Madden and interviewing John Madden uh, you know, during this event. Had John Madden on my radio show back in Green Bay. And uh, the first thing that caught my eye about John Madden, I mean, going to games when I was a little kid and seeing the Raiders and being a fan. And here I am now in Green Bay. And now, you know, he's a broadcaster at that point in time now with CBS. And when I shook his hand, I was just mesmerized at the size of his hands. (laughs) I said, man, this guy is a true giant. He is a gentle giant. But I uh, feel fortunate enough, able to meet him and, uh, and do some things with John Madden. He was simply the best. And when it came to broadcasting, he set the tone for other coaches and other players to now get in this role. Because right now, the only people that are, that are analysts are either former players or former coaches. And John Madden, I mean, he wasn't the very first. But, again, he didn't want to do this. And he said, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go all in. And, again, great footage in that documentary, hearing from Pat Summerall, who was his broadcast partner for all those years with CBS, and then the two went over to Fox together. Then Al Michaels later on, towards the end of Madden's broadcasting career, both ABC for Monday Night Football, and then they both went over to NBC for Sunday Night Football. But simply the best. I mean, what he meant to Raider Nation, phenomenal. Football fans galore, no matter what team you rooted for, he was just the guy with the NFL. He paved the way for so many other analysts, like I said, coaches and players to be analysts. And, um, yeah. <sighs> Try to reach out to Mark Davis to get Mark Davis on today. Obviously, he's, he's very, very busy. Um, he, 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 he will come on with us uh, again, you know, very soon. And like Mark has in the past, here's a quote from Mark Davis. Mark said tonight, I light the torch in honor of and tribute to John Madden and Al Davis, who declared that the fire that burns the brightest in the Raiders organization is the will to win that quote from Mark Davis. And remember, uh, John Madden was the first to light the torch going back to 2011, October the 16th when they put the, the, the torch up there, um, you know, uh, going back to the L.A. Raiders and then over to Oakland and then, then here to Las Vegas. So, yeah, sad, emotional, but, uh, again, uh, one of the greats, lived a full life, 
a successful life and whatever he did, John Madden passes away yesterday at the age of 85. All right, uh, let's let's take some phone calls. We'll we'll go to the calls here. Seven zero two 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 one seventy two eighty three. Thoughts uh, about John Madden? Let's go to Philip. Philip, what's happening, brother? What's up, T? Hey, what's up, Philip? T C Martin, my my man, the sports doctor. Happy uh, happy uh, belated Christmas to you and your family. Happy New Year coming up to everybody. I hope the New Year is positive and happy one for all of us but um speaking about coach madden uh like you i had a chance to meet mad coach madden and his family and they were very gracious to me and i got to know coach madden in 2018 him and steve mariucci they host a blotchy ball tournament in pleasanton where coach madden and the family's from and they donate to Special Olympics. So I reached out to uh, Joe, Big Joe Madden, as I call him. Uh, he was an offensive lineman, too, at his college, his son, one of his sons. And Mike, too. He was a football yep. player, too. But um, good, good family right there. And uh, Coach Madden, he uh, and, and Joe Madden said, you can come on down, be your Special Olympics athlete. And I went with my great dad, and of course, he knew my dad. My dad passed away, too. He was a great man. He was a wrestler, and he was a Raider fan. We went to Raider games, too. And, man, we had a good time at that bocce ball tournament. And I asked Coach Madden, I said, I do my own podcast just for fun. And I said, could you be on my podcast? And I had my recorder, and, you know, like me, TC, I tried to, you never know who I'm going to meet and run into, so... You know, I put my put myself out there, TC, and Coach Madden said, "Of course." I talked about football, all those great players like George Atkinson. I used to see George Atkinson at Raider games too, and he was just amazed with my knowledge and historian. Because TC, you know me a long time. We go back Sacramento days, and uh, man, he was so cool, gracious with his time. And uh, funny story, I know uh, I don't want to go too long, TC, but uh, uh, in 2019, um, before my dad passed away, we got to go to, uh, uh, Joe said, I'm going to invite you to our Super Bowl party. So where John Madden was doing that documentary, that was at his soundstage. And that's where he had the Super Bowl party with close friends and family. And uh, I got to go with my dad. And one year uh, in 2020, I got to go with my friend James Marshall. He's from KCK. You might know him, too. But we had so much fun. They had donuts there. And uh, I said, Joe, I said, John, you, I said, Coach, I said, you like your offensive lineman remember Frankie Bag of Donuts winners? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There's Frankie. Yep, yep, yep. Oh. And John, John loved his, his lineman, so I think he loved me. And I just got to see – I got to see a seven-man sled. I'm yeah. glad I, I consider the Madden family my friends. They are my friends. God bless them. And uh, just thanks, Coach, for all the memories. And I remember him as a Raider. All right, TC, thanks for letting me call. Philip, I appreciate that. Great thought, great memories. And I know uh, you're a diehard Raider fan, and you go way back. So, uh, and, and I know you got a chance to, to meet his family and John, too. So great stuff, man. I appreciate the call. Keep listening, brother. Thank you very much. Hey. Hey, 
TC, one more question. Have you and Gina, did you guys ever play Madden together, and who wins? <laughs> I was never a video game guy, Philip. Never a video game guy. I couldn't even, I couldn't even tell you. I go back to the old old school electric football, where you turn the thing on, and it goes all over the place. Or I go back to Paul. Yeah. yeah, there you go. No, yeah, I, I, I was game, more of a pinball I guy. Game, yeah. Okay. I had game game boy or something all right tc bye take care man appreciate you there it is <laughs> slappy what's going on my man not much uh john madden great coach great broadcaster rest in peace absolutely man a- 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 absolutely one of the best and i know that he he resonated with so many people like i said whether it, you know again you're old enough uh, where you could appreciate you know the the coach madden as as well as the broadcaster as well too well, my, my dad was a football coach himself, and he coached Daryl Monica in high school. So that's the one thing I have uh, with Madden. He coached, he coached La Monica, too, and my dad did also. So pretty, uh, pretty special guy. Yeah, yeah. He, great stuff, man. He, 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 he basically uh, he's, he's a legend or whatever. If you, if you go back into you know, the 70s and you watch him uh, coaching and, and listening to broadcasting or whatever, there's no other person in football than John Madden. Yeah. And again, he, you know, a lot of the younger generation, they don't remember him as, as that for, you know, the older generation, they remember full circle, everything about him, you know, one of the youngest coaches of all time. And then the success he had, you know, with the Super Bowl, and, and again, I mean, retired. I mean, here's a guy that think about that. He started coaching at 32, retired at the age of 42. That's, that's, that's unheard of, you know, and on, on all accounts, but uh, the game, sure. you know the losing the losing kind of got to him a little bit, and uh, and he went on to have a successful career as as a broadcaster. And think about that. I mean, the guy with you know fifty years uh, involvement with the NFL from being you know a coach you know to the broadcaster uh, you know almost until his death. So yeah, very. Very memorable. We will all remember John Madden. And again, like I said before, you know, there there are Raider fans or Raider haters out there, but you know, no one had could have a bad thing to say uh, about John Madden. And it was probably one of the most brilliant moves that he did was was saying, "Okay, I'm going to, you know, become a broadcaster," even though that he felt very uncomfortable in, in the beginning and did not want to do it. But then he just attacked it. He he attacked it that way, and I thought that. Again, he was one of the, the most the, lovable the one, personalities for doing that. Yeah, the one thing as a broadcaster, whatever you never you never knew what he was going to say. Yeah, because he was he was he was so he was so you know vibrant and and uh, he was excited to just be there, or whatever. And he just I loved when he would do his uh, scribbling on the uh, TV or whatever on the Telestrator. Yeah, he'd come with a boom, and then he would come with that, you know, with that and the doink, and then I mean, yeah. things that just live on forever. And he's in one of the first guys. You know, when they instituted the Telestrator, like, what's this thing? Well, here we're going to give you this thing. You're going to go on the screen, this and that. And he would always focus in on the linemen. And then, of course, you know, he would he you know th- the Thanksgiving Day games. We all remember the turducken, that sort of thing. He would just have fun again. And I think that's what why he connected with people because of his personality. He was genuine. I mean, he was he was one of us. He was one of everybody. I mean, he didn't over talk you. You know what I mean? He didn't talk uh, talk over. You know the the novice football fan. I mean, he just brought it back down. He goes, yeah, I just yeah, I want to I want to be real, and that's what he was. So I think again, that's you know when you come full circle about John Madden. I mean, that's you know he was that way when he taught the game to his players, and he he was that way when he taught viewers the game of football on television as well too. 
Sure. I agree. All right, brother. Hey, uh, we're rooting you on. Big time rooting you on. And uh, we'll we'll talk to you next week. Take care. Sounds good. And again, rest in peace, John Madden. There you go. All right. Thanks, man. Appreciate the phone call. All right. When we come back, uh, TJ Reeves is going to join us. Uh, He's got a couple John Madden stories because John Madden would spend some time down in Florida in the Tampa area as well, too. So uh, we'll talk NFL, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll talk more John Madden. And again, next hour, the big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright uh, will join us. And uh, Brian Salmon from News 3. They're doing a a little tribute to, uh, to John Madden as well, too. But glad to have you with us here on this Wild Wednesday. Don't make me beg. T.C. Martin. Because you are a character doesn't mean that you have character. The doctor is now in. The crowd takes up a chant of defense. Robisky and Banaszak on the back. Slot right. Branch inside. Bradshaw. Stabler back. Here comes the rush. He sidesteps. Can he throw? He can't. The ball flipped forward as loose. A wild scramble. Two seconds on the clock. Casper grabbing the ball. It is rolled a fumble. Casper has recovered in the end zone. The Olsen Raiders have scored on the most zany, unbelievable, absolutely impossible dream of a play. Madden is on the field. He wants to know if it's real. They said yes. Get your big butt out of here. He does. There's nothing real in the world anymore. The Raiders won the football game. The Chargers are standing, looking at each other. They don't believe it. Nobody believes it. I don't know if the Raiders believe it. It's not real. 52,000 people minus a few lonely Raider fans are stunned. A man would be a fool to ever try and write a drama and make you believe it. This one will be relived forever. The legendary Bill King, the greatest of all time, describing the Holy Roller, the Raiders beating the Chargers, and I love the reference to John Madden. Madden, is this real? Get your fat butt out of here. Outstanding. We remember John Madden today, the seven AFC title games, winning the Super Bowl over the Vikings, 103 victories. All right. Uh, we'll have some more Madden sound for you during the course of this show. Appreciate your phone calls last segment and thoughts as well. You can hit me on Twitter at TCMartin21 with some of your favorite John Madden moments as well. Our next guest has some as well, even though he's uh, uh, far from the West Coast. But uh, John Madden spent some time in Florida, as we well know, uh, as well. And uh, TJ Reeves with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers joins us now, the Buck sideline reporter. TJ Reeves, what's going on, brother? Always great to be with you, and I thoroughly enjoyed hearing Bill King there. What an iconic voice for the iconic time of the Raiders uh, back in the 70s and the early 80s when he was around the team. And you, you have that play. You have the holy. You have the uh, the sea of hands right against the Dolphins, which my father-in-law and mother-in-law are huge Dolphin fans. They've still never forgiven Stabler and the Raiders. <laughs> I don't think for the sea of hands. Yep. And you have the immaculate reception, which was a negative, which was in one of those AFC Championship games against Pittsburgh, with Franco Harris and the deflection and him catching the ball and the and the zaniness of that. So. And and people, you you love all of these things. We're going to intertwine it all these different ways, including uh, stories in Tampa. But John Madden has the highest. I, I don't know if you mentioned this yet. He has the highest winning percentage of any coach yep. in the any in the NFL's history. Not Hallis, not Lombardi, not Landry, not Ditka, not Bill Walsh. Move forward even to Bill Belichick. 
Parcells, none of them, has a 756 or better winning percentage. 75% of the time, three out of every four games, with at least 100 games coached. John Madden has had that for 40-plus years, and he may have that for a long time, 40 more years after. Who knows? Uh, it's incredible the success he had as a coach. And the wild thing is, TC, is so many people in the present day, the millennials and the youngers, don't even know him as a coach. And the, and the success he had as a coach, they only know him as the broadcaster and for the video game. But he was a great coach. Yeah, yeah. 759 is that winning percentage, 103 victories. And like we said before, it's it, it, it's amazing. Again, the the career that he carved out, I mean, again, as a coach, uh, as a broadcaster, and then the younger generation, the millennials know him just you know for the video game thing. And and again, he decided to to take on all of those challenges. Not sure that he actually could succeed as a coach, as a broadcaster, and being involved in the video game and all three of those entities. He kind of said, "I'm not sure yeah. if I'm cut out for any of this." And what he did is 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 he tackled all of that to to use a football pun there, but it's apropos because that's what he you- did. Do you want a little uh, infancy of John Madden as a broadcaster, Tampa connection, and how the whole TV broadcasting career almost was over as it was just beginning? I think you might want that on the T.C. Martin show. What do you got? Go ahead. Bring, bring, 1980 bring it. is the first year that John Madden was doing games with Gary Bender. If you remember the legendary right. CBS voice, yep. I, know we're yep. going, I know we're going back in the back, but he didn't begin just with Pat Summerall. Oh, no, no, no. He actually yeah. began with Bender. You've been Correct. explaining that. Correct. So Bender and Madden are doing a game in Tampa, a Buccaneer game, and that was the game, the flight back to Northern California where he had a horrific experience. He's claustrophobic right. to begin with, afraid of flying, and he told, he told this story numerous times, speaking engagements, interviews, documentary, all of it, that that was the flight where he was making a deal with God, essentially. If you get me off of this plane, I am never taking another plane. Even though he had flown everywhere as a coach, it had gotten worse and worse. Uh, flying, a lot of the times he would drive uh, to places if he could uh, when he was coaching, etc., but... So that was a game in which he had worked a Buccaneer game in 1980, and it almost became such a big deal that he was not going to be able to continue to broadcast until he worked out being able to take a train or take a bus, which later became the Madden Cruiser, uh, to the different games. So that, that happened in the 1980 season. And then Madden obviously gets paired with Pat Summerall, and they become the number one team and the iconic team on, on CBS. And uh, how, how about the fact that so then you, you bring it back to the Raiders. The Raiders had won the Super Bowl in the interim in that 1980 season uh, while we're talking about it. Well, Madden ends up doing the Raiders' next Super Bowl game, the next Super Bowl win. The first Super Bowl he did actually was Joe Montana and the 49ers beating the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. That was in the Silverdome in Detroit. Two years later, he and Pat Summerall are right here for the first ever Super Bowl in Tampa, and it's the Raiders destroying the Washington Redskins uh, that year in January 1984. I had just moved here while being in middle school in Tampa, was so excited and so thrilled to have the Super Bowl, and the Raiders destroy uh, the, the Washington Redskins. And then how about this stat, this run? 
So Madden and Summerall then continue to work on CBS and Fox, the NFC games, the Cowboys, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Giants, the Redskins, the Bears. That's the games they're primarily doing every week. The NFC, after that Raider win in Tampa, January 1984, won 17 of the next 18 Super Bowls. That's incredible. How many of the John, they worked, would John work 17 NFC Super Bowl wins? Um, uh, or, or in and around there in that time, they were doing all of the NFC championship games and, and the rise of all of those teams, the 49ers, the 85 Bears, the Cowboys, etc. And how about this, my friend? The last game that John Madden ever broadcast was for NBC with Al Michaels, the Super Bowl with the Pittsburgh Steelers defeating the Arizona Cardinals at Raymond James Stadium. So it does, it, it swings back to Tampa one more time from 2008, the 2000. Eight season, uh, January of 2009 is the last TV broadcast for John Madden here at Raymond James Stadium. And what a great finish with Roethlisberger throwing the winning touchdown to Santonio Holmes. So yeah. a, little, a little symmetry on that. Yeah, I know you're absolutely correct. And, you know, going back to that flight that you talked about, you're right, 100%. He, that was a, a game in Tampa where he just basically had started out, uh, I think it was his first or second season, you know, with CBS. And again, he wasn't the top-tier guy. It wasn't a Tony Romo situation. We need to remind people that where, hey, Tony Romo, boom, we're putting you, you know, with Jim Nance and you're on, you're, you're on the A-team right away. No, 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 no. I mean, they... I remember you know when when John Mann did did the test run. He did the test run with Bob Costas, and they did a, a a game at the L.A. Coliseum. And Madden said, you know, hey, I you know don't know if I you know how this is going to go or whatever. And he told the story a lot about how being paired with Bob Costas, and Madden didn't even know Costas. And Costas right. was this guy basically uh, out of college, out of St. Louis and that sort of thing. And he's talking to me. He goes, I'm, I'm going to do a game with this pipsqueak. And then all of a sudden they got on and he goes, they, then they went to the first break and he just said, dang, you're pretty darn good. <laughs> he goes, this little guy has a voice like that and has that kind of delivery. That's and, right. and he said, you know, I, I think over time, I think I can do this. And like you said, then they paired him with Gary Bender, and Bender was legendary. I mean, he was like a Dallas guy, I believe. And then you know they they did they were like probably the third he or the fourth with, broadcast. Don, by the team. way, was with Vin Scully for part oh, of the yes, 1981 season. Yes, he was. They put him with Pat Summerall. That's exactly that, right. That's right. Yeah, Vin Scully. A lot of people, you know, uh, you know, don't remember. I mean, the iconic you know baseball voice, Vin Scully, he used to do football. He used to do everything. You know, Dick Enberg, same thing would do uh you know all these different sports but yeah they, then it was Summerall and Summerall did not really really want Madden he's saying I don't, I don't know about this guy and this and that because you got to remember Summerall kind of viewed himself as the guy well I'm the former player I'm the right. lead announcer and then but he said you know it, it, it took John a little while and, and Summerall was a little hesitant about like welcoming him in to the CBS family and then he says boom uh, yeah, uh, then they just hit it off. And I know some are all kind of regretted thinking that, you know, during those sure. first few games that they did, but no, nah, it's it, okay. So it, you fantastic. just prompted another, another story, a colleague of mine that used to work for the old Tampa Tribune before it folded up here for many, many years, he was a teenager. And that 1980 season, he got to go and work as a college kid 
in the Buccaneer press box, and there was one day, and he was very good with stats and with numbers. There was one game where CBS needed him to come spot for John Madden and come also hand John Madden stats. And as he tells the story, he put this on social media earlier today. Here's my John Madden story for all time to tell you how he treated everybody so well, even the little guys, even the people that couldn't help him. That's the true measure, by the way, just like the doctor, T.C. Martin. The true measure is how do you treat people when it doesn't even affect you and can't help your status? Can't help whatever. The doctor's great with that, just like John Madden was great with that. There's just a little aside there for the audience. But anyway, this guy's doing the stats with Madden, and he's giving him third-down numbers you know, for the Buccaneers and whoever they were playing, the Vikings or whatever game he was doing. He's giving him this insight on Leroy Selman and that. So John Madden finally turns to him like in the third quarter and takes the headset off and says, kid, you're the greatest stat kid I've ever had. He goes, here's 20 bucks and hands him a $20 bill. To which, you know, $20 back in 1980 was like maybe 40 50 60 bucks now. Yeah. So the kid just lit up uh, as a young man. So uh, Joey Johnston is his name. And, and Joey is, is legendary with the facts and the figures of the old Tampa Tribune. So Joey immediately ran to Rick Odioso, who's still around. And Rick was the PR director forever for the original Buccaneers and all the way through the 1990s with the Bucks. And he says, hey, Mr. Madden just gave me $20 and said I'm the greatest stat talent guy he's ever had. Odioso looks at him and goes, kid. Get a grip. He goes, it's only the third game Madden's ever done on TV. How could you be? You're only the third one. So that makes a great story. But obviously, um, Madden treated – I read something last night where one of the most beloved employees in, in the Oakland Raider building for John Madden was the guy who was taking the film canisters to be developed. I don't know if you saw this. Not the guys taking the film, the actual – uh, a film with the projectors right. and recording, but the guy that was going and getting it developed, the film canister guy, he befriended this guy. He would bring this guy coffee and donuts. He would give this guy a $20 bill over and over again. He treated the guy unbelievably for somebody that's just doing a menial task because it meant a lot to Madden that they had that film, they had it on time, and he just wanted to say thank you to people. And I thought, how cool is that? Yeah. When he definitely didn't have to be that way. And uh, and there's so many other stories that are that are being pointed out about how he gave advice to young broadcasters. Do you, T.C. Martin, want the story about how Madden became a multi multi million dollar empire besides the video game in his association with Outback Steakhouse, yeah. and the Madden Cruiser became the Outback Steakhouse Madden Cruiser? Do you want that real quick? Do you want that one too? Is, is there such a thing as real quick with you? I mean, yes, let's abs- do, absolutely. Let's do, it, let's do it in 30 seconds. Uh, Outback Steakhouse founded here in Tampa Bay. Outback Steakhouse begins to branch out all over the country. And we're going to tie this to T.C. Martin's uh, other passions. Okay. Uh, so the Outback guys want to conquer North America. So one of the partners decides they divvy up North America, they divvy up the Western United States, and one of the partners decides to go in with John Madden and Hulk Hogan. Hello. Those three at one time owned all of the Outback Steakhouses in California. Did you know that, Doctor? Yes. On a Wednesday afternoon? Yes, yes I did. Yes, I did. And I knew knew that the Outback uh, Steakhouse logo was all over that Madden Cruiser as well. Well, that's correct, but... But any, and I believe at one time they had like 40 different Outback Steakhouses. I don't know how many it is now in the present day, consolidation or whatever. They were all owned by John Madden, one of the partners, and what you going to do, brother? Hulk Hogan owned them all. And that's how Outback 
was in with John Madden for over a decade or more because he was part owner of Outback in and around the uh, in and around the video game. Yeah, so there you go. How about that? The Hulk Hogan, the Tampa Bay connection. Uh, there you go. Bring there you go. And yeah, going back to what you said. Uh, and I was going to bring that back to the Outback as well, too, because you know that's really where the Madden Cruiser idea came from. Like you said, he did not like flying, especially these cross-country flights. And, and you're right, that that flight, when he was going back to the West Coast, to the Bay Area, he said you know, there was turbulence, and he said that's it. I mean, he said he was praying all the way you know, home on that four-hour flight, and he was saying, please get me home, please get me home, and I will never ride another airplane again if – you know, you get me home safely, God. And sure enough, he stuck to that. And that's when he told CBS, you know what? I, I'm not doing this. I, I, I'm i going to do the train. I don't care how long it takes me. I'm going to do the train. And then all of a sudden, you know, the bus thing came in uh, into line. And he had the exact same bus driver, you know, for whatever it was, you know, 20-plus years. Yep. And to tre- you talk about how he treated that gentleman. That is fantastic uh, as, as well. I believe his last name was Aldridge. And uh, just he, he took him everywhere. Next thing you know, boom, you have the luxury bus. You've got the Outback Steakhouse logo on it, uh, sponsored <laughs> or whatever. But, yeah, it, it, great, great stuff. And, and Madden would just stop at all of these little – small places, whether it's Wyoming or Montana or Nebraska, and just stop, and he would talk to people. And I have heard so many stories. And I told the story earlier in the first segment, you know, when he came to Green Bay, and I got a chance to uh, to work with him. And it was just, it, it was fantastic. He was so engulfed into those communities. And, uh, yeah, the, the, the guy was, was genuine. And that's the best thing that I could say about him. Not only was he a pro, and he paved the way for other you know, uh, you know, coaches and players to be football analysts, but the guy just—he—he he was one of the just the the regular American people, and he wanted to come across that way on his broadcast, and he always wanted to give back and spend time with those people in rural states and rural areas, and just be as genuine as he possibly could. There you go. Yeah. I mean, that says a lot for that man. I'm, I'm thinking of the story, too, because later in his career, uh, he was obviously well-known for this travel and transportation, and 9-11 happens. And air travel is basically grounded, obviously, everywhere for like those four days right after the first weekend of the NFL season. And I don't know what the exact uh, timeline was, but he was getting from wherever he had done the game, he was trying to get to New York, because they were allegedly doing a game, I think, with the New York Giants on Fox if they were going to do a game. So he had begun to drive cross-country for the three days, usually, that it took him to get across the country with those drivers. And somebody got the word to him high up at Fox or whatever, uh, because I want to say they were in Chicago. And somebody got the word to him that, hey, uh, in all of this mayhem, Peggy Fleming, then the famous ice skating gold medalist, obviously still still iconic, not as many know that name today, she is trying to get to New York for for some kind of event, some kind of speaking engagement, and has no way to get there, is not able to drive herself there. Is there a way that you can get Peggy Fleming with you to New York on the bus? And Madden didn't hesitate, TC, and said, sure, and – she related could not have been a kinder, gentler guy. He said, what a phenomenal, I never met Peggy Fleming. I don't think he had. Phenomenal, phenomenal woman. Happy to help her get there in a time of chaos and crisis. How about that? 
with John, John Madden helping out Peggy Fleming to get to the other side of the country during all the 9-11 grounding of flights. Wow. Oh, that's awesome. Great recollection, mm-hmm. man. Great stories. And again, I advise anybody, if you can find it anywhere, uh, the documentary of right. John Madden that aired Sunday, or rather uh, uh, on Christmas Day on Fox, uh, fantastic. And uh, for people that did not get a chance so, to see it, uh, very well I done. I think the NFL Network has it on again tonight. They're going to make it available streaming, to your point as well, not only on Fox's uh, Fox Sports app, but also the Peacock Network, because he worked for NBC, is going to have it on streaming. Great. It's also going to be on ESPN Plus streaming. And I would assume the NFL Network, TC, is going to show it several more times oh, yeah. heading to this weekend. So yeah. just stay on the NFL Network and check their guide and their their social media for the NFL Network, and they'll be showing it again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no different than uh, what uh, the MLB Network does. Uh, you know, during these months right now, where you see Bull Durham seventy six times, and, <laughs> and and for the love of the game, and all those baseball right. movies, the Bad News Bears, over and over and over again. And that's what the NFL Network should be doing: is replaying that John Madden documentary, All Madden, fantastic, and it is spot on with its uh, description of John Madden as a coach. As a family man, as a broadcaster, uh, just a fantastic job that they did. You know, kudos, kudos to to them. And the neat thing is, he had seen it weeks before, uh, and he obviously was part yeah. of it. He right. knew all about it, and it, and so he knew about the the love that was there. And he's obviously in the Hall of Fame, and he's he's going to be beloved for such a long time. So, um, you know the. The tragic part of this is that, you know, he, he's not getting to revel as much maybe in the documentary because the rest of us have just seen it, uh, you know, last weekend and this week. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, especially for the younger football fans, they need to realize what a coach. And, and the guy was a, was a trailblazer uh, in terms of TV. The telestrator, T.C. Martin, is yes. John Madden from the early 1980s. CBS called it the CBS chalkboard originally. He'd draw all over that thing on the screen. You remember that? We're old school enough. We remember that. That's, that's the modern telestrator now that everybody has at every game for football. It began with John Madden, Absolutely. back with Pat Summerall. All right, so Fox Sports did announce that they are uh, in honor of uh, John Madden. They will air this on FS1 tonight at uh, 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern, and then again at uh, 4.30 Pacific, or rather uh, 7.30 p.m. Pacific and 10.30 Eastern on Fox uh, on Thursday uh, as well, too. So you're going to get that on FS1 uh, tonight, and uh, then uh, Fox will actually be on Thursday at 8 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Pacific. So, yeah, the All Madden documentary, fantastic. T.J. Reeves, I appreciate you, brother. Uh, we didn't get a chance to t- touch on any Buccaneers stuff, but we're going to have to do that and, uh, and get the latest as the Buccaneers are approaching the final two well, games of the season. And uh, real quick, Bruce Arians, is he coaching or not? He is, he's apparently not going to be able to, even under the new protocols, because he's got to have five days unless there's a negative test. Um, but for Sunday, but again, the, quickly, this team's headed to New York, playoff seating, battling the Rams, battling the, the Cowboys, who ends up the two seed behind the Packers, unless the Packers slip. Supposed to be bad weather in New York, by the way, TC. I'm headed up there for the game. Yes. We'll see how they do with the lowly Jets, who did, who did win last week. Brady looked better last week. They've got a lot of guys banged up. We shall see what happens here as the Buccaneers battle the Rams and the Cowboys for playoff spots. All right. T.J. Reeves, appreciate you, brother. Be good. We'll talk to you soon.
Always love being with the doctor. Happy New Year to everybody in the desert. Everybody be safe. All right. Uh, we come back. The big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright joined us. B. Sal, more John Madden talk, and a whole lot more. T.C. Martin show on this Wednesday. Fakes the handoff. He drives the lane. He takes it to the house. Bouncing off defenders. He just laid it in. He just put it up and in. 56 seconds to play. Oh, by the way. It's time. Live. In the entertainment capital of the world. Game 7 is over. It's an instant classic. It's the T.C. Martin Show. A three for the game. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. You've got to pinch me. The doctor is now in. Hour number two on this Wednesday. Glad to have you with us. Don't forget, Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas tomorrow. That's right, tomorrow and Friday. Two days back-to-back. It's kind of like what we do like with March Madness. But uh, we're celebrating the Las Vegas Bowl tomorrow night at Allegiant Stadium, Arizona State and Wisconsin. 7.30 is kickoff. So we'll be uh, broadcasting live from the Cosmopolitan, of course, our show tomorrow from 2 to 4 p.m., Jay Schrader will join us, the former quarterback, the former Redskin, the former Raider, the former Super Bowl champ. Uh, we'll talk college bowl games with Jay as well as the NFL as we get ready for Sunday's action there. Friday, Mike Pritchard will join us, Las Vegas' very own, the former wide receiver for the Falcons Broncos back in the day. So uh, our best bet segment will be there as well, too, on Friday. So it'll be busy It'll be jam-packed. It'll be a lot of fun, of course, inside the sportsbook, powered by William Hill at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas tomorrow and Friday. Come on out. Be part of the show. Enjoy the show. Have a great time. And uh, always a great time at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. All right. Been spending a lot of today's show talking about John Madden, who died at the age of 85 yesterday, the coach, the broadcaster, 16 Emmy Awards for Outstanding Sports Analysts and Personality. He broadcast 11 Super Bowls from 1979 to 2009. Just the consummate pro. Uh, The only broadcaster that worked for all four major networks. Started off with CBS, went to Fox, ABC, and NBC. And uh, sharing a lot of great uh, John Madden memories over the course of time uh, on today's show as well, too. And uh, again, a nice quote from Mark Davis earlier today. Mark Davis, here is his quote. He says, uh, Tonight I light the torch in honor of a tribute to John Madden and Al Davis, who declared that the fire that burns the brightest in the Raiders organization is the will to win. And uh, that was, uh, remember, John Madden was the first to actually light the torch in 2011, October the 16th, 2011, back when the Raiders decided to institute that in honor of, uh, of Al Davis. All right, so, uh, yeah, sadly, uh, like I said, this all happened after we got off the air yesterday, so that's why we wanted to to talk about it today, uh, the passing of John Madden at the age of 85, and just on the heels, just, again, remember, four days ago we watched the documentary uh, on Fox on Christmas Day, a fantastic documentary, All Madden, that talked about the life of John Madden and uh, just great video and sound bites from his career, from his colleagues, his former players and coaches in the league. 
You know, Roger Goodell had plenty of comments as well, too. It was a great documentary, and uh, Fox and the NFL Network will be replaying that as well as FS1 here in the next couple of days as well, too. So check your listings for that. We just gave you the times last hour again, but uh, just a fantastic documentary. Well done, well made um, by the producers of that. And it was nice to see John Madden, who, again, got to watch that himself and we got to see John Madden in the present day just a few weeks ago where he actually got a chance to screen it. And you saw John Madden. You know, he wasn't frail, but, you know, again, he has been pretty reclusive over the last year or so. Hasn't been traveling very much, but he looked pretty good. He looked pretty good and was able to keep his thoughts together, deliver uh, his sentences totally fine, and then just, you know, Again, three days after it airs, he passes away at the age of 85. No one is saying uh, the reason of the death, the cause of the death at this point in time. Family keeping that very, very personal and respecting their wishes there. But uh, John Madden, just a legendary coach. And again, for a Northern California guy like myself, uh, growing up, seeing John Madden coach the Raiders, going to those games at the Oakland Alameda County Coliseum, fantastic. Uh, And again, a guy that... uh, was a great coach but did not like to lose this guy only coached 10 years he started coaching at the age of 32 ended when he was 42 he appeared in seven afc title games he won the super bowl with the raiders when that victory over the minnesota vikings that happened actually at the rose bowl 103 career victories uh, 759 win percentage, the best in all of professional football in the history of the NFL with coaches with at least 100 victories. John Madden had 103 victories, 32 losses, seven ties. And uh, again, for those in the Raider organization, those Raider fans, or in just p- football fans, uh, a guy that uh, will be missed. And again, I loved him as a coach, loved him as a broadcaster, thought he was fantastic uh, at everything that he set out to do. And, uh, you know, sadly missed as we talk about John Madden today. All right, uh, one of our good friends, like myself, who who grew up in Northern California, watching a lot of those Raiders teams with John Madden, uh, the big seven-footer, the five-time NBA champ, Big Bill Cartwright. Bill, what's happening, brother? I am doing something you're very familiar with. I am taking a ride from San Francisco to Sacramento for the weekend. Ah, there you go. All right. There you go. So coming coming off the Bay Bridge and all that stuff. And you had to be thinking about John Madden when you heard the news yesterday afternoon as well, too, because I know you're like me. I mean, even though you were a basketball player, you love the game of football, and and you, like me, watched John Madden coach those Raider teams. And, of course, you, you watched him as a broadcaster as well, too. Well, it's really interesting. I think people got to know John Madden a lot more when he was a broadcaster. And I think any time you have a guy who's able to give you data, information, uh, things that you don't know, insight to uh, to anything, especially to a sport. And uh, he, he gives it to you really in a, in a positive way. He's not beating anybody up. Uh, it's, it's just really remarkable. So, um, not not as catch slang things, but just uh, a guy that can teach you something. A guy and he, and he makes it fun, uh, makes the game better. Uh, you know, from what you do, that's really unique that you can give a guy information, data, and it's fun. It's just a lot of fun. So, uh, 
everybody I think really enjoyed that. And of course, uh, I'm a big sports fan just to be able to watch them all, all these years. And uh, you have to uh, go through the, the, you know, the trials and tribulations of winning a championship. He went through all that and was able to come out successful. So his, his story is a great one, a story of success. Uh, he did what a lot of, a lot of guys can't do is, uh, reinvent himself as a announcer, uh, which is amazing. And, and it's really that life that, uh, that really allowed his story to be told. So, um, just, just a really, uh, really great person. And you know, what's the amazing thing is that, uh, just being able to get out now and I've had to reinvent myself, I don't know, two, three, four times, but just to meet guys that you don't know, uh, that you played against. Um, like I had a chance to spend some time with Kevin Wallace on my podcast. What a great guy. Mm-hmm. Great guy. And others that I played with or play against, just great guys, great people uh, to have an opportunity. And I think in a big sense, uh, that's what uh, that's what John Madden was able to do. No, you're absolutely correct. And, you know, when he retired from coaching at the age of 42, he said, you know, I got to do something. And he missed the, the football. He missed being busy. He said he was driving himself nuts, driving his wife Virginia nuts as well, too. And he never thought, you know, he'd be a broadcaster because he didn't like it. He did not like uh, Howard Cosell. He was very adamant about that. He did not like the the broadcasters because the way they uh, came across and, and, and delivered the product on television. He goes, I, I don't want to be part of that. And then he finally said, you know what? I got to do something. And you're right. He reinvented himself. And it, if John Madden just quit coaching at the age of 42, I mean, people would have forgotten about this guy. He won one Super Bowl and they'd say, okay, that's yeah, great. And he probably would not have gotten in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But it was because he went into broadcasting and then he attacked that just like he did with coaching and then got so good at it and he wanted to be the best at it. And then he let his personality shine because, like he said, he goes, I'm going to do this unlike anybody else because this is the way that I would like to watch it. I'm going to be like this. And that's what just brought a whole new generation of football fans to watching you know, football on television, the NFL on television, for the way he delivered it. And because of that success, you're right. He got to tell his story. People got to know him. And let's be honest, that's how he got into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He went in twice. Originally, he went in as a broadcaster. And then people were talking like we're talking now. Hey, you got to remember, this guy was a coach first. And he was a heck of a coach. And they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, now we got to honor him as a coach. And then they put him in for that. You know, the Veterans Committee you know, got, got him in for that. So, yes, great point that if it wasn't for the broadcasting, for reinventing himself, John Madden would not be the legend that he is today. Yeah, and just but fun stuff. Like, you know, I mean, come on. How many guys, you know, would admit, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to fly. Everywhere I go, I'm going to get a big-ass bus and just drive there. <laughs> right. But it's just, it's just that kind of stuff, I think, that made them just, you know, this this is me. I'm not doing it. I'm going to do something else. And people relating to that. Hey, let me ask you something. So going back to John Madden as a coach, you know, he retired when he when the Raiders were still very, very good. But 
he was only age 42, but he said he could not handle the losing. The losing was just too much for him. And, and again, he didn't lo- have losing seasons at all. He was frustrated of getting to these AFC championship games and not being able to win a lot of the big ones. I mean, he won one of them, right? And then that means he lost six of them. And he said it would just eat at him. As a former player like yourself who won five titles, I mean, three as a player and then two as a coach, and then you entered the coaching ranks, does that surprise you that he wanted to walk away from coaching because even though he loved it so much and he loved the teaching element, he just did it, the, the losing was just too much for him of uh, again just losing a big game where it would just sit with him too much afterwards. Well, look, I, I just give credit to, for one thing he did it. You know, he was able to do it. He was able to persevere and get through it and and um, just get through the struggles uh, and get there and win. Now that's the big thing. So. Uh, so he did do it. And, look, everybody's not geared for that. Uh, I, as a coach, I loved it. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be on the staff. Come on, I was with Phil Jackson, Tex Twitter, Johnny Bach, uh, Jim Clemens. Uh, I was with great teachers of basketball. So it was fun. It was fun. To, you know, you were learning stuff every day. And plus, you had great players to play with. But uh, the hardest thing, as you know, about winning a championship is getting there. And there's a lot of things that, you know, play into that, whether it's injuries, whether it's, it's, it's timing, it's matchups. Sometimes you just get a team that you just don't match up with. So it's, uh, it's just really, really hard. But once you get there, and fortunately, the grace of God, every single time I got there, we got to the championship series, we're able to win. Uh, so I've never had that pain that being of losing, even in high school, we won Right? No, you're right. Yeah. In college, too. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah. yeah. Now, so, but uh, but I do know that when we did not do as well in college because we lost some of what I think some very inferior teams, that still eats at me. Mm-hmm. Because you're, you're like underachieving and you should have done more. You should have accomplished more. You should have been smarter. You should have worked harder. You should have played, uh, just played better. So yeah, there there is that uh, that that pain that's never going to go away, and uh, uh, some guys they, they've had enough. And what's wrong with that? He won a championship. He's done. Right, right. Bill Carr. I, I guess he made a boatload of money too. I don't know. I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the big seven footer, big Bill Cartwright, uh, joins us. All right, looking at the NBA here, man, this is just it is craziness. We thought we saw craziness. Last season, the year before, I mean, here we go. 541 players have been on active rosters so far this season. The most, by far, of any NBA season. That's because of COVID. That you have people, they have players that, that can't play. They're bringing guys up for 10-day contracts. And uh, Isaiah Thomas, uh, you know, comes up and he signs a contract. Of course, the second Isaiah Thomas, not, not the old Detroit Piston bad boy, but we've got to talk about but the Isaiah Thomas that went to the University of Washington. He just signed. We're seeing a lot of players. Joe Johnson, you know, signed into, you know, he's 40 years old. And we're seeing more of these older guys that are now being able to come back and play because these rosters don't have 12 players on them. Some of them can't even field the team with eight, and we're having these games postponed. 
give me some thoughts on this when you see that number, uh, that many people, the players, 541 players on rosters so far this season that you can't even assemble a, a, a roster, let alone a starting lineup. Well, it's, uh, you know, this is a really special time. And let me ask you a question. Isn't that what the G League is for? Isn't that why people have G League teams? Yeah. Should this be easier than what we're making it out to be? You, you're saying, yeah, you're using the G League as a farm system to bring those guys up and be ready to... To play, right? Exactly. And, and, and I th- Isn't that yeah. what the G League is? Well, I, you know what? It's a great point. I think that's what the G League is supposed to be in theory, but it's not. And I think if you are an NBA general manager, you're saying, well, you know, we got a bunch of these young kids. We got, we got some kids that didn't even play college ball. They went straight to high school, and we're still developing them. They don't have the body size. They're not ready. And it's like, forget that. It's like, okay, maybe a minor leaguer in baseball. You know, we're not going to bring a guy up that's maybe a single-A, double-A. We'll see if the triple-A guys are ready. But I think with a lot of these G League teams, you don't have guys that are even close to being ready. So what they're saying is, I'd rather have a guy that's been on the shelf that's, that, that knows the routine, that knows the NBA, that, that has more experience. We're going to take him over the guys that we're trying to develop. And, and with that being said, what message does that send to the organization down below and those younger players. Okay. You and I have had this discussion before. And our discussion is about how many guys are you playing on your in your normal rotation anyway? Eight. Maybe nine. Or yeah. and eight, right. Eight, maybe nine. So right now you already have five guys at least, maybe six guys you don't play anyway, which confuses me. So so now you got guys in the G League who are probably the same age as the guys you have on your on your roster. I I really don't see the problem. You play them. Why do you have them? If if they're if they're guys that you believe maybe next year they're gonna help them bring them up. I mean it's 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 a great opportunity for them to play, you can't tell me those guys are chomping at the bits to get up there and play. You you already, for most teams, already have five guys. You're not playing anyway, so, so, which is insane. So uh, I, I think the problem is right there. Every team has a G League team. So it's it's right there. You've already, you've already got 14 guys that are going to be available for you. Along with the other guys, your GM and then coaches are already know that uh, maybe they're in, uh, maybe they're in Europe, maybe they're they're just they're not playing right now. Come on, this this can't be that hard of a problem. Yeah, and you know, you're right, but I, and I think to be fair too, there are players that are coming up from the G League. Is again, it would probably not you. The headline, the headlines are: Hey, uh, you know, this team signed Isaiah Thomas. This team signed Joe Johnson, or you know, uh, other guys that we're familiar with. I think that's what's making the headlines. It's not going to make a headline that you're bringing somebody up from you know uh, the Santa Cruz team to come up and play with the Warriors. You know, that's that's really not going to make your headlines because who are these guys? You know, unless they were like major college players. But if they were major college players, I mean, they're probably on your roster already so i think i think i think that's it but it's it's happening but the bigger question is 
you know, are these guys really being developed and can they contribute at an NBA level? Because as we know, these rosters, both in the, you know, the NBA as well as the G League, they're getting younger and younger. Yeah, they're getting younger and younger. And, and you know the story that way. So, you know, if we were talking about uh, in the 70s, 80s, and a little bit of the 90s, look, this is how the league used to go. Guys, rookies would sign. And they would, and they would be a backup. Then over a course of the years, the veteran who was starting now he's the backup. After a year or so, they retire, and we, we start the whole process again. The thing is, now guys come off; they're young guys. They start trial by error. So, um, look, however you want to develop guys in their system. Um, they're they're going to have to play eventually, but I kind of like the other system to where the guys are learning by the veterans who are already in the league. Um, but since that system scrapped, these guys better these guys better put a lot more practice and film time in because uh, uh, they've they, they've got to learn how to play and they've got to learn how to play right away. <laughs> All right, the the big seven-footer joins us. He's on his way from San Francisco, driving to Sacramento. And uh, we played the clip yesterday of Alvin Gentry just going off on his team, saying the Kings have were non-competitive. They were horrendous. It was embarrassing, uh, their performance against Memphis, losing 127-102. to 102. Uh, Alvin Gentry is an interim coach, but he's a veteran, and I know that you know him. But, Bill, and I talked about this yesterday, this is just bad. I mean, this franchise is just an embarrassment. I mean, 15 straight losing seasons. They have not won over 39 games in any season uh, since 2005 and, and 2006. You get rid of Luke Walton. They should have never hired him. And now Alvin Gentry is stuck, st- uh, stuck with this mess. This team's only played what thirty-four games or whatever, and he's saying they're they're not they're being non-competitive. They have no energy. They're not following the game plan. I mean, the stuff that he said was just so incriminating to this defense. And he goes, "We all should be embarrassed. This entire organization should be embarrassed." I mean, this this franchise was pretty good, as you know. I mean, back in the days with Vladi Divots and Chris Weber and you know, and, and Mike Bibby, and they, they had that run for a while. But, man, think about it. They have not been relevant for 15-plus years. Come on, man. Well, and that's the thing is that we've talked about this as well. To the teams that we know who they are, we know Denver – we know they used to be, and yeah, they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be a team that's going to be able to score in their up tempo. Lakers were showtime. Clippers are supposed to be a little showtime. I don't know what the hell they are now. Golden State, Golden State can score. Now they'll tell you they play defense, but they really score. The identity in Sacramento, we we're not sure. We don't know who they are, and until they find their identity to who they are. They may talk about, okay, we're going to guard, we're going to do, we're going to be an up-double team. They're not. So until they're able to prove that, they're able to, they're able to stop some money. Um, I've had a chance to watch them. Of course, they've had some great games 
for about three and a half quarters. They, they, they can't finish. They can't finish. They can't get any stops. I I listen like now, but they're all the same. So uh, they've they've got some holes to fill, and until they develop an identity, until you and I can talk about, oh wow, this team is a really good defensive team, or this team is really an up tempo team, until we know who they are, it's, they're never going to make it to the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. And now you have like De'Aaron Fox, who they draft out of Kentucky. And this guy, he's a very good player. He's one of their better players. And now what are we hearing? Well, who's De'Aaron Fox going to end up with? The Kings are talking about trading him. I mean, this is this is ridiculous. I mean, here we go again. When you get a, a, a guy that could be a franchise player or maybe maybe close to it, I don't know, but a guy that you draft, you covet, and you develop, and then he could be on the block. I mean, it's just... It's just mind-boggling how a lot of these teams handle their business, and I don't know what this franchise is doing, but they are so far away. I mean, when you got Buddy Heald a few years back, it's like, okay, we know Buddy Heald can score. We saw that in college. But again, you you don't have enough talent around them. You got no bigs inside, and it's just it's the same result. It doesn't matter if you got no names, if you got college all stars or all Americans. It doesn't matter with this franchise. The the barometer still is in the thirty win plateau. It's sad. It's sickening. And and how many times can you just blow it up and start over and by hiring a coach? I mean that that's not where where it starts and ends. It's it's got to go deeper than that. Well, and that organization or or GM or owner to tell you what kind of team that they have. That's the first step. So um, you know, like you know, Phoenix, Phoenix right now they're not fooling anybody. That's small ball. They're playing small ball. But at least that's who they are. Golden State, the big sense, that's who they are, small ball. But at least that's what they're trying to do. Uh, I mean, the Kings might as well be small ball. They got, you know, all their bigs are hurt. So, so I'm not sure what's going on over there. You know, I, I would love for those guys to play well. You know, it's my hometown. Um, hopefully they'll figure it out before too long. Uh, maybe this next year, but... Uh, uh, you know their their identity is 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 everything, and uh, um, you know not only Alvin Gentry, but uh, these guys have been marketing at each other all year. Has done any good? Um, so I don't know. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I do. I, I I do know they need some position players. They need some big guys. They need somebody that can protect the basket. They need somebody that can pressure the ball at the floor. Um, they need somebody, and yeah, which is what Fox can do. He can make other people better. Buddy doesn't do that, but Buddy can make a shot. You're right. Um, but you you have to have other people on your team that makes your team go. That makes it better, and it doesn't have to be a guard. Um, a lot of times in uh, playing for the Warriors. Uh, it's green that does that, pushes the ball. It just makes other guys better. So um, be something, but don't but don't be anything. 
Yeah, <laughs> right, now, right now they and for a long time they've been they've been nothing, haven't been anything at all. All right, my man, enjoy your drive. So when you're driving there, uh, going from uh, San Francisco to Sacramento, uh, what are you going? Are you going sixties on six, seventies on seven? Uh, you listen to my station, listen to the beat. What do you What are you listening to? Let's love everything. You know, I love I love music. Uh, you and I share that. So the, today it's sixties. And, um, uh, um, you know, some 50s on there sometimes. All right. So how about this one? How about this one? Nunchuck is, is throwing one at you right here. How about this? You want to turn this one up? You remember this one? This is what Nunchuck picked for you. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. No. Can you name that tune? Can you name no. that group? Can you name it? What is that? Is that Herman's Hermits or something like that? No, it is not Herman's Hermits. It was a it was a television show, which you were probably very familiar with. Oh, that's the monkeys? Are no, you kidding it's me? It's not the monkeys. It's not the monkeys. Come on. Come on. You know the song. You know you're bopping your head right now. Now I'm not a fan yeah. either of this, but you know, because What is this like? What is this like the Archie? There it is! Bring him up! <laughs> oh my god. Uh, it should, it should kill you that, that I know that. <laughs> hey, I know it as well, too. It's sad, but it wouldn't be on my playlist. But but check this out. So this is Numbchuck for you, okay? This is Numbchuck. It's like, hey, Carwright's listening to the 60s on 60s. And I'm saying to him, you can't pick anything better than this. There's a thousand better songs that came out in the 60s than this. And this is his. This is his go-to. What does that say? Yeah, that's... We gotta, we gotta uh, do something there. All right, all right. Uh, give me one. Okay, say before we let you go, you give me one. If you had to pick one of the '60s right now, what would it be? Give me one. One of the '60s. Yeah, go ahead. Maybe, uh, maybe I throw some uh, Doors music in. Oh, the Doors, very nice. Okay, with like the Lover Madly, maybe, or what are you thinking? Yeah, it doesn't matter. I, I really love those guys. All right, but, well. Uh, We'll send you out with that. We'll send you out with the doors then. How's that? All right. So you enjoy your drive, my man. Uh, enjoy. Be safe for the New Year's. And uh, we'll go a little doors. Oh, a little riders in the storm. Look at that. How, how long did that take? How's the weather? You got you got a little rain? This is some good driving music, especially in some wet weather. Hey, you guys got any drifters over there? <laughs> any drifters? Some Dells, some Sherelles. Oh, we got it all. Are you kidding? Yeah, we're just a sports talk show. But no, with with this guy, as you know, you're going to get music intertwined like no other. What some, yeah. What about some platters? Yeah. Any platters over That's there? That's 50s. That's 50s. Into the 60s, but yeah. But no, I think I think we're. Uh, I was I was going to go out with the doors. No, I'm sorry for. <laughs> Yeah, there we go. The platters. We can do that. Sonny Turner and the platters. I'm going with that one. <laughs> My guy. All right. Remind me, next time you come to town, I'm going to introduce you to Sonny Turner from the platters. He lives here. Good friend of mine. I know you, you will, you guys, I mean, I'll sit you guys down. I'll leave for a couple hours and I'll come back. You guys will still be talking platters. You'll like that. <laughs> there it is. All right, we'll see you later, Chubby Checker. Have yourself a good one. All right, yeah, hey. Hey. Always put Chubby on. I know you like Chubby. All right, take care, brother. (laughs) See ya. All right, guys. The big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright.
Oh, jeez. This guy, I mean, he's older than me, but, I mean, come on. I mean, you got to, he's an old school R&B guy. I mean, he was Studio 54, New York City with the Knicks, Chicago, all those great clubs. You know, late 70s, 80s, I mean, come on, early 90s, and he's going back to this stuff. It's okay. All right, Dougie Duoff, I know he's listening. When we come back, Brian Salmon, we'll, we'll uh, turn it up a notch. We'll take it back to the 90s with B-Sal coming up next. The T.C. Martin Show is back. Yes! Yes! What are you doing? It's just a halftime. Yes, this is my favorite part of the game. T.C. Martin. Yes! Is now in. On Thanksgiving, I just wonder where those turkeys are going to be for Thanksgiving. I have a feeling, I know. Kevin Barlow. Well, John, for years at CBS and Fox, it became a tradition, the turkey leg and all of that. And, and you brought to the the uh, knowledge of America the turducken. And so our friends at the Four Seasons cooked you a turducken. Oh, there it is. That is. I think it's a turducken. It is a turducken. But i got to show you how to... Oh, oh, I, I, I can't say that. I need fresh turducken. I'm going to have crazy turducken. But anyway, anyway, here's how you slice it. See, a lot of people don't know. You have to slice it down the middle. See, and then you slice it across this way. Because what it is, it's a it's a deboned chicken stuffed in a deboned duck stuffed in a deboned turkey with dressing between the chicken and the duck and the duck and the turkey. So as you cut down that way, you go turkey. Dressing, duck, dressing, chicken. You know, one of the great things about your coming over here is I'm able to ask you all of these questions. Because for a lot of years, I thought a turducken was some sort of a, you know, a fowl crossbreed. But it's not. Well, it's just I mean, three I different mean, things. Yeah, yeah. It, it, well, it's, it's really five different things. It's a, it's a chicken, a duck, a turkey, and two kinds of dressing. And are you going to have one on, on your Thanksgiving table? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to have one. I have to bring it though, but you know, you know, because it, oh, here's Here a it is. Here's, here's, a, here's a picture of one. Turn duck in yeah, the picture. Yeah, picture. That's the, that is what, it. And you see, you cut it like right down here. <laughs> see, and then this is what it looks like inside. <laughs> see, so you got turkey and duck, and then dressing, and then chicken. Oh, and then then you just have to do it that way. Or, if any of that makes sense. It, it, now, can I get some hoisin sauce with that? <laughs> That's unbelievable. You know, you know the, the first time I ever had one of these, I, I I ate it with my fingers, and then I had to shake hands, and I didn't know whether to <laughs> stay away from me. <laughs> Second and seven, that pass is incomplete. More John Man today. The turducken. Oh, part of the Thanksgiving tradition. And uh, part of our tradition is having Brian Salmon on with us. That's it. B-Sal over at News 3, the fine sports director, going to work like only he can do. What's up, B-Sal? <laughs> What's up, man? I- I'm work. I'm hungry work. right now, man. Work. Work. <laughs> I go to work. Kumo D playing in the background? Come on. Yeah, you done getting better than this, oh, B-Sal. Man, I go to work. Yeah, I love Kumo D, man. I keep saying I got to get him on. I got to get him on. I got to get, get him a you call. You got to get Kumo D on? Yeah, yeah. He's my guy, man. He's my guy. I haven't had him on in a long time, so it's time to, to get him on. He's a big sports guy. Yeah, I'll get him on. Yeah. And we tell you, when I get Kumo, Kumo D on, I'll make sure we'll do it where you're in the studio because you, you'll probably go, you'd be like Kid in a Candy Store, wouldn't you? Oh, man. I, I, man, I, have, I got that tape. 
I had that on tape. That was one of my joys, man. I go to work. Like a doctor, it's more man. That's my guy. Yeah, I'm a huge Kumo fan. See, see, see how Wild we, Wild West. There you go. See how we organize this, you know, with our rejoiner music. You know, that's that's what we do. When we have you on. You know, see, we 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 aim to please with our guests here. You know, just like Bill you know, Cartwright. Top notch. Yeah, like with Cartwright. You know, we had to go play. We had to play the Platters, and we had to play. You know, the Archies. You know, we had we had to go old school, old old, old school for him. You know, see with you, we we got to bring Archies? it back. Yeah, yeah. He didn't. I've never heard of the Archies yeah, before, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, uh, most people haven't. Let's keep it that way. Yeah, that was a Numbchuck. Uh, Numbchuck had to pull that one out. There you go. Numbchuck killing it, man. I used to live downtown, 129th Street. Come on, that's my joint. They had the dance. They have the dance to this. 129th Street, Convict. Come on. I can picture Bizal oh, with, with a step in yeah. here. I can picture it. Bizal, <laughs> oh. let's talk about John Madden today. All right. Uh, we've been talking a lot about John Madden and, and what he meant. Yeah. Uh, and again, you're a Bay Area guy. I know you're a little bit younger, but still, you know, the Raiders as a coach. And then, you know, most people that are probably, you know, 35 plus, they, they know him as, as a broadcaster, of course, the video game. But man, he, he was a great coach. But uh, we just—you heard the cut that we played about the the Thanksgiving Day tradition with the turducken. I mean, you, you've got to like a little turducken, B. Sal. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I mean, John Madden. I mean, he he really was the the best broadcaster, especially for football. I mean, I, I can't think of a I can't think of a better. I mean, Al Michaels is good, and um, uh, I remember when Dan Deardorff in uh in uh. Well, what's the guy's Frank name Gifford? for the Giants? Frank Gifford. Yeah, Gifford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Gifford. Um, but, I mean, I, I Howard Cosell and all that kind of I, – I really think John Madden is really the creme de la creme when it comes – I mean, every everyone that's come behind him, is, as far as football is concerned, is trying to be uh, as good as he was. Not trying to be like him, but trying to be as good as he was. And I don't think anyone has even come close. I mean, John Madden was the best. And him and Summerall – to me, that is the voice of football. The same way that Brent Musburger is, and, and uh, Brent Musburger and um, goodness gracious, I'm just drawing all kind of blanks. The cat that went to WSU they used to do the Rose Bowl all the time. Um, those two are the voice of college football. Who, who did college football? Uh, where, where, where are you going? Okay, um, Numbchuck was distracting me a little bit here. So you're saying, call, oh Keith Jackson, you're talking about, right? Keith Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Keith Jackson. Yes. Yes. John Madden is the voice of the NFL the same way that um, Keith Jackson was the voice of college football right, for me. Yeah. I mean, those are those are two top notches of of college sports, man. Yeah, football. No, for sure. no, there's no doubt. Again, in you know, with Madden being the analyst, I mean, he really paved the way and opened the door for other coaches and other players to step into that you know analyst role. If you if you think about yeah. it, and because the way he did it, and because he was so good, and like I said before, he really tackled. You know, he didn't want to be uh, a broadcaster. He despised broadcasters. He did not like Howard Cosell. He did not like the way that these guys broadcast the NFL. And he said, "I want nothing to do with it." But then he, you know, after he retired at the age of forty two, he said, "I I'm bored. I got to do something." And they kept. You know, CBS said, "No, we want to give you a shot with this." He goes, okay, fine. He goes, but man, I really, really, I don't think I'm going to enjoy it. But he he got into it, and they said, just be yourself. And he took it 
with a whole different approach of of really being the common guy, the common fan, and coming across that way on air. And uh, next thing you know, boom, uh, there's John Madden. He's getting it on with the Telestrator and doing everything else there. But again, he never talked over people or talked over their head. He really spoke to them as as a football fan. And I think that's why he connected with not only just the ardent you know, football fan, but the casual football fan as well, too. Because he said that that was his MO. That was his demo. He wanted to connect with the, the people that maybe didn't know as much about college football, or rather pro football, but let, let him teach them about the game. And that's exactly what he did. But well, he did, man. He set the bar. Yeah. He, he literally set the bar. Anyone who is an analyst doing football, specifically NFL, but even just football in general, an analyst is aspiring to be as good as John Madden was. Right. Hands down. Hands All, right. Down. All right, man. We've got the Las Vegas Bowl. Tomorrow night, my friend, we got Arizona State, we got Wisconsin, we've had a week full of activities. I don't know how closely uh, you've been uh, covering all the activities, but uh, you know these players have been here for about seven days, and, and now they're going to get on the field at Allegiant Stadium, and it'll be the first Las Vegas Bowl at Allegiant Stadium, and again, with the Big Ten team and a Pac-12 team. I don't know about you, B-Sal, very, very excited about tomorrow night's game. Man, I, as soon as they announced the fact that Wisconsin was coming out here, I was pumped about it. I mean, knowing that people in Wisconsin, they could not wait to get on an airplane and come to Las Vegas because they think it's 80 degrees out here. Regardless of how bad the weather is, it's not as bad as it is back there. And you can attest to that because you live back there. So, um, yeah, I, it, the atmosphere in there is going to be sick because those people are going to be just out of their minds. The fact that they're here, it's Vegas. Arizona State, I mean, you know, they have been here and, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, I, I'm just pumped that they have the Big Ten coming here. They also have the SEC coming here. Uh, different areas of the country that don't necessarily get a chance to come to Las Vegas for this reason. And now they can bring their fan base to this, to our city. I, I'm excited about it as well, man. I mean, another reason why Allegiant Stadium, having that in our city is the best thing that happened to Las Vegas since who knows? I don't know, but the best thing that happened to Las Vegas in a very long time. Yeah, very long time. Because it's not just the Raiders, and even if you're not a Raiders fan, or if the Raiders, uh, you know, are not very good, it, you will always be able to have the other marquee events. You know, we're talking. We're you know, again, we got the Pro Bowl, we got the draft already, but now you know, Super Bowl is going to be Damn. coming here in, in a couple exactly. years. So you're going to get you're going to have that Super Bowl rotation, and then you're also going to get you know, I believe a national championship game for college football. Of course, that'll be yep. coming. We know that the major you know soccer entities are going to be here. You know, with worldwide coverage yes. with that, and then let's not forget. I mean, the major concerts uh, as well too. So. Yeah, you're right. Allegiant Stadium is they've done a fantastic job with it and you know over time uh, you know the traffic really has gotten better. I think the experience, you know, inside the stadium has gotten uh, much better. And when I say you know it's gotten much better, it's not that it was bad, but I just remember the very first event or the first couple events, you know, the like any venue, you have to iron out some things, but right now it's it's yeah. comfortable, it's enjoyable and and I know I can probably speak for you i mean broadcasting from there is is really a joy too and it's 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 comfortable and comes across great and everything about to me allegiant stadium has been 
an A+. Plus. Um, I, I was down there for one of the first events. I can't remember, the first event that they had fans at, and I had to drive down there to meet Jesse. So I, I wasn't driving down there early or anything like that. I had to drive, and I, and I parked in a regular parking space where you had to pay, you know, whatever money for it. But there was no traffic. It was fun. Like, all the traffic they had for that Garth Brooks concert when it was hot out there, I didn't experience that. Every experience that I've had as far as parking and just going to Allegiant Stadium has been great. Um, our media walk is a, a bit of, you know, some distance, uh, but I'm not carrying cameras like a lot of people are. But still, it's it's not – I've been to a lot of stadiums, and uh, the experience that I have at Allegiant, I have not had any issues at all, man. So, I, you know, I, I think a lot of the stuff is overblown with the whole parking's terrible and you got to walk across from – Mandalay Bay or whatever. I mean, that's that's a great experience. I mean, it I, is right. It is. Yeah, a lot of people. I'm sure you've walked miles or just a, a long distance to get to to different stadiums uh, across the country. You know what I mean? And and, and you weren't on the Las Vegas Strip doing it. <laughs> no, be you know Sal. I, so, I I don't walk, man. I'm I'm one of those guys. You got to drop me off. I mean, I'm a snob. I'm I'm not I'm, I'm not walking. I'm not walking. I go to Wrigley Field. I'm parking in the closest spot that I can at Wrigley Field. You know, I no, I'm not happening. I'm not I'm not you never, walking. Never take a train. Uh, I have taken the train. I've taken the taken the the train. No question about it. Yeah, same, no same doubt. Thing. I've taken some. I've taken kind of sub. I've taken subways in New York. I mean, you drop me off in front of the stadium. I'm one of those guys that I'm not going to walk a mile. Uh, you know, to a stadium. I'm not going to be one of these guys that walk off site. You're going to have to drop me off, man. Plain and simple. I'm going to find a way. I'm going to. I'm going to maneuver my way. I'm going to find somebody that I can coax into dropping me off. Uh, there it is. So I don't have to deal with with all the ham and eggers. There you go. Well, b- bougie PC. <laughs> I, I get you. I I, I got it. Um, I don't have one that would ever drop me off, and I'm I'm okay with. I mean, walking like where we walk from our our, our media parking space is is fine for me. Yeah. No. I, I, no. I will say home. this. Now, wait a minute. I, I, I'm going to have to retract a little bit because you know where our media spot is for the Raiders. I do got to walk like uh, maybe about two blocks, two or three blocks, because you know we we're parked over in that lot M or whatever, and that 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 is a little bit of a hike. And I have turned down tailgate parties that are in lot N, which is on the opposite side of the stadium. Guys, said, nah, I'm not. That's that's too far. I'm not going to go from from whatever that is, lot M, or whatever to lot N. You see that walking for food? Well, I have, I have, I have, but I, 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 I'm not going to do it anymore. Though that's it. It it was too much. Because, B. Sal, as we know, if we don't get into our the press box uh, 15 minutes before kickoff. We're not getting up because they locked down the elevators. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I <laughs> that's funny. I'm definitely not gonna. I I walked up the uh, stairs uh, for one of the very first events at Allegiant Stadium, and it was in the summertime. By the time I got up there, Kevin Martin from from Channel Eight saw me. He's like, Brian, did you just get done hooping or something? Why, why right? are you sweating like that? Yes. So I, I'm never doing that again. But I, you got to get to the games early enough, man, so you can go walk on the field before the game, man. Yeah. You got to take in the atmosphere, TC. Get down there and walk around the field. Yeah. No, you're right. Come on. You're Come right. Come down there with me. Yeah. I, I, I kind, you know, I try to get there. I, I don't like getting there too early because, again, you know, I am a am fan of all the games. So, and I got my Direct TV package, so oh. I try to stay as home as long oh. as I can. You know, because uh. I'm watching the ten o'clock games now. On the standalone uh. games, I'm with you. Okay. 
You know, standalone games, I'm, I'll get there two hours early with you. I'll go on the field. We can throw some pass patterns. We can kick some, some field goals. I'm fine with that. <laughs> I would love that. You know what? No, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not that big of a, I mean, I'm not that big of a fan of like watching like 8 million NFL games. Yeah, see, honestly, that's not you, so, but that's me, um, you know, you know? Nah, I, I'd much rather walk around the field and kind of take in the, the ambiance of, you know, kind of looking up in the stadium and seeing the players walk around and getting videos of, you know, Darren Waller and, and, and Carr running onto the field. Like feeling getting up close to Raider Nation, I usually take a lap around the field um, before I, I I go. I mean, that's how I got the interview with Charles Woodson. Right, and I went down there, caught him over there in the corner, and you know got a nice little one on one with him, man. So, and then last week, I, who was down there? Art Shell was down there. I mean, I, I've seen all kinds of people downstairs, man. I, I'm sad. I'm mad that I missed um, missed seeing uh, Montel Jordan. He sang the national anthem this past week. I must have walked right by him. I don't. I didn't see him. But uh, this is how we do it. Yeah. Yeah. The moment the, the moment B Sal gets up to the press box, though, he goes straight for that buffet line. Straight for the buffet yeah. line. He went right for the shepherd's pie last Sunday. Exactly. The shepherd's <laughs> pie. Nah, I, I got the sausages, baby. Because you know, while you're at home watching games and whatnot, you know, I got the chillings, man. I got the kids, so I, yeah. I get up. I usually cook breakfast. And uh, get dressed, and then I leave. I never eat before I go to a game. Yeah, so okay. when I get to the yeah, I get to the game. I do my little downstairs on the field. Come back upstairs, and I I eat, and that's that's when I run into you. Yeah. Actually, I think I I may have seen you right when I walked in. I can't remember if yeah. it was when I came. It was yeah, and that's what I was talking about. You know, they still had the the, the bacon and and some of the other stuff, but then they started busting out the shepherd's pie or whatever. Uh, go, what is this? This is leftover Christmas, Thanksgiving. What's going on here? You know. <laughs> Shepherd's pie. I don't even know what that is. What I, is shepherd's I, pie? Exactly. It's something that's colonial. That's all I know. I mean, it's East Coast, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, they do it for whoever they're playing. So yeah, I, yeah. It's terrible. I don't even remember. Who do they just play? Denver. I'm, I'm terrible. Denver. That's why yeah, I, Denver, I didn't yeah. get the connection to the shepherd's pie. I just... Uh, we used to say that at Lambeau when they would have like a Christmas game, Christmas Day game, or whatever Thanksgiving Day game, and then they would bring out go. Oh, what, so now we're having Thanksgiving here. It's like I, you know, come on, I, I want something better than that. <laughs> Don't give me the cheap turkey here. Come on, I come here for what, the tri-tip. What? Give me the tri-tip. What go downstairs and give me the wagyu <laughs> at the VIP area at Allegiant Stadium, B South. Oh, That's what it's man. all about. What? One thing I will say, man, I, I don't have anything bad to say about the Allegiant Stadium food, man. I've, right. I've been eating well up there. Oh, it's good. It's good. Year. And Montel Jordan, yeah. fine job of singing the anthem by Montel Jordan, by the way. Agreed. Yes. Agreed. Yes. I mean, come on, man. Everything about Allegiant Stadium and the way they've done these Raider games, to me, has been top-notch. Man, They learned from the day in Golden Knights and, and brought raised it up a level. From the Ice Cube to DJ Run to... You know what I mean? It's yep. Too short. Like, come on, man. Like, I, I, I to 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 having Bruce Buffer introduce the teams before the game to me is like one of the best things. It's so Vegas. It it, it is. It, I'm hyped when the game starts, and then the game starts. Yep. Unfortunately. All right, real quick, B. Sal, uh, we've got the Colts and the Raiders. Raiders on the road. Another must-win game. How you seeing it? Well, I mean, I think for a lot of things that have gone wrong for the Raiders this year, this is something that is going right for them. The fact that they're 
going to end up facing another backup quarterback possibly on Sunday, if that's the truth. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, Yeah, possibly. Because who knows? The NFL keeps changing everything, and now they may swindle their way into getting Carson Wentz in there. I mean, it's crazy. I know. I know. I know. So, I mean, even so, I I think the Raiders can win. You know what I mean? I, I would love, love, love for it to be where the last game of the season you win, you get in the playoffs, and they're playing against the Chargers at home at Allegiant Stadium. Just think of the atmosphere. So I, I think I think it lines up good for the Raiders this week, man. Right. And, and well-deserved. I mean, come on, they've gone through a lot this year. No doubt. All right, brother, we'll let you go. Catch B-Sal over at News 3. Uh, tell the folks when they can see and what you're wearing, man. <laughs> Uh, who, who knows what I got on? But, uh, yeah, you can check at, check, what, 6 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. Uh, Jesse Merrick will be doing all the good stuff from uh, the Las Vegas Bowl, too, man. So we, yeah. we got you guys covered, man. You yeah. got to make sure you check out Sports Night, man. We yep. got the UFC Heavyweight Champion on there, Francis Ngannou. Yeah, Sunday night, Sports Night. I love it. Yeah. Great stuff. 1130, yeah. check it out. All right, my man, we appreciate you. As always, be good. Happy New Year. Be safe. And uh, throw back some old school jams and some eggnog while you're at it or whatever whatever you're throwing down. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> Martinelli's, baby. I love the Martinelli's. man. Happy New Year to you and my guy, num- Numskull. Yeah, Happy Num. Exactly. Uh- <laughs> All right, bro. Take care, man. Appreciate you. All right, man. Be good. That is B-Sal, Brian Salmon, our guy. I appreciate him joining us today. The big seven-footer, big Bill Cartwright, TJ Reeves from Tampa Bay. And uh, some great memories with John Madden passing away at the age of 85 as we send you out with the old NFL theme there. TCMartinShow.com for all your info. We'll catch you tomorrow at 2 at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas.